welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Uh, This Sunday here, we're going to be taking a little break from the book of Philippians. And uh, we, the elders, thought it would be necessary and good uh, for us to kind of talk a little bit about biblical eldership and what that is. Uh, here in a few weeks uh, coming up, we're going to be taking on a new elder, and uh, we've already put some things in the bulletin as far as the qualifications for an elder and how an elder is chosen here at Pleasant Ridge. And um, I think it's important for us to know what eldership is, what who the elders are, what the elders' function is, why do we have elders, what does the Bible teach about uh, eldership, how a church is supposed to be governed, uh, how things are supposed to, to work in that matter. And uh, I want to say some of the things that we're going to talk about today are probably going to make you question a little bit maybe of how you have been raised or maybe some of the traditions that you were brought up in as far as how a church is supposed to function. And I want to let you know that it's okay. Um, Because even in my own uh, upbringing in in things, uh, my grandfather uh, was a pastor. He pastored a church for uh, a little over 30 years. He retired, then he went and started another church and pastored that church for about eight years. And uh, the uh, school that I went to, Uh, for Bible college. Uh, They had a pastor there. And so I was very used to the idea that there is one man that runs the entire show. Uh, There's one man that makes all the choices, does everything. He's the head honcho. He's the guy, the buck stops with him. And uh, when I began early on in my uh, ministry, uh, I was uh, went to a church and I uh, served there for nine years as an assistant to the pastor and a youth pastor there. And I questioned the whole idea of the fact of there being one pastor as I began looking into scripture. And I never saw in scripture where it says that there is one pastor of a church. And so I asked the pastor there at that church, I said, where does it say in the Bible that there is one pastor of a church? And he goes, oh, well, you know, it's over there, somewhere over there in Timothy, somewhere over there. And that really began me on this pursuit of questioning, what does the Bible actually teach about how a church is supposed to be governed, how a church is supposed to function? And as I begin doing this process over years, looking into scripture, looking at uh, what the Bible teaches, I begin seeing this thing about elders. Who are the elders? What are the elders function? Uh, Why do we have elders? Why does the Bible talk about elders? What are the elders supposed to be doing? Now, maybe there might be some of you that grew up in a church where you had the pastor, then you had the elders. And uh, maybe the elders served a different type of function as that of of a pastor. But going through, I started seeing what the actual function of the elders were and how the elders were supposed to function within a church. So I want to let you know that if you're going to be challenged today is what scripture teaches about eldership, what the Bible actually says, what the elders are supposed to be doing within a church, I want to let you know that it's perfectly okay. 
Um, and I just hope that you would just listen and see what the Bible actually does uh, teach about this. And, uh, you know, here at Pleasant Ridge, you know, one of the things that is my heart's desire, and I, I would hope that it would be a heart's desire of you, is do we want to follow tradition or do we want to be biblical? And there's a difference. And sometimes in the pursuit of being biblical, it's going to challenge our traditions of what maybe we're used to or maybe what we uh, grew up with. And, uh, and I think here at Pleasant Ridge, you know, in the pursuit of us trying to be biblical, it's even going to challenge the areas of how we view uh, leadership within a church. So here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. Pleasant Ridge is striving to be led by a plurality of elders who are biblically qualified servant leaders. Pleasant Ridge is striving to be led by a plurality of elders who are biblically qualified servant leaders. Now let's look here a few things. We're going to turn over to uh, 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 3. And I want to talk to you a little bit about what is biblical eldership and, and why we should practice it. So we need to build the church on the foundation of Scripture. It's so important for that. Uh, most of you that have done any type of building in your life, maybe even building a shed, know of how important it is to have the correct foundation and to build with the correct materials. Um, and Scripture, God's Word, gives us the ingredients that tells us exactly how the church is supposed to function and how the church is supposed to be led and built. So 1 Timothy chapter number 3, and look with me in verses 14 and 15. Uh, Paul writes here to Timothy, and he tells him this. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that what? If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Then he go ahead and skip down on down to uh, chapter four, verse number six. He says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Then in verse number 11, he says, command and teach these things. So Paul tells Timothy, he says, look, there are certain things within the church that you should be teaching, so that way you ought to know how how the church should function, how it ought to behave, how things ought to work. And I would say that that is the exact same thing when we talk about how the church is supposed to be governed. The scriptures are very clear on how a church is supposed to function, how a church is supposed to be governed. So here, when we talk about this, God's word gives us and tells us the qualifications of those that are to be leading the church. So the church is to be led by a plurality of biblically qualified elders. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about this, about being led by a plurality. When we talk about being plurality, there's many. There's not just one. There's not just one person. God's word's very clear that there's a plurality of elders. And you'll see that as we look at some of these scriptures here. 
The New Testament concept of elders is that of shepherds, as seen in a few of these verses. Let's turn to them. Uh, let's turn, turn over to uh, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. When Paul was writing to the Ephesian elders, uh, and he was going to be leaving them, he says this, Pay careful attention, Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders, those that oversaw the flock, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Peter writes here, he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So the eldership is not an executive board of laymen. It's not a whole bunch of guys just sitting around making decisions. It's not these guys saying, well, you know, what color are we going to really paint the church building? That's not eldership. Elders are supposed to be shepherding the flock of God. And it's by a plurality of these men. So once you understand this, I think that it really changes your view of how a church is supposed to function. And if you see the benefits of this, it's totally amazing. Listen to Acts 20, 28 again. Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own son. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Elders who provide effective leadership must be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard in speaking and teaching. So here's the definition of eldership. Biblical eldership is the shepherding of the church by a plurality of qualified servant leaders. God has given the church to be shepherded or to be overseen by biblically qualified men. And that's what God has instructed how all this should work. Now we say biblical because it's possible to have elders who are not qualified or to have a form of eldership that is not biblical. It has to be biblical. It has to follow what scripture does teach. And so elders should be biblically qualified men. Unfortunately, I believe that there are a lot of churches that practice a form of church government that places all the leadership on one man. And that's very dangerous. And it's dangerous because that man can then insulate himself away from being held accountable from other men. And when you have a plurality of men and it's not built upon one person, then those other men are free to question each other and say, you know, what you said, what you did is wrong. 
it provides protection towards the flock. And so it's very important to have biblically qualified men who are going to shepherd the flock. Sometimes you may have a church that has elders, but those elders act more as advisors to that one pastor or more of a board who only make decisions. Now here at Pleasant Ridge, we are striving to practice what the scriptures teach in how the church is to be led, and that is through biblical eldership. You know, all of us bring to the table our traditions, how we were raised, and I'm sure, again, many of you went to a church where you had one pastor and he was the head honcho. He was the guy that made all the decisions. He was the Lone Star professional who was hired to be the pastor of the church. And that's, that's how I grew up as well. But as I said, when looking at scripture and seeing how these things are supposed to be played out, scripture teaches that a church is supposed to be shepherded by a plurality of men. One of the most difficult decisions that I think I really had to make, and you know, I'm, I'm, tr I'm gonna be really transparent with you here, okay? One of the things that, that, that was really hard and difficult for me to do was to move myself into a position of saying, I want to be held accountable by other men. Because be honest with you, there are times, there are times that I want things done the way that I want them done. There are things that I want to have done now the way that I want them to have be done now. And for me to place myself in a position to say, I'm gonna be held accountable by other men, that's a very difficult place for me. But I had to make that decision because that's what the Bible teaches. So I had to make that decision of, am I gonna follow tradition or God's word? The New Testament defines elders as shepherds, overseers, stewards, and leaders of the local church. And here's the scriptures on them. You can look them up. We're not gonna read all of them, but Acts 20, 28, 1 Peter 5, 1, Philippians 1, 1, 1 Timothy 3, 1, Titus 1, 7, and 1 Timothy 5, 17. And this is just a, just, just a few of them. I mean, this is throughout the New Testament that you see uh, elders uh, shepherding the flock. Another thing that we learn about what the Bible teaches about eldership is that the church is to be elder-led. And what do we mean by that? They are to be actively involved in shepherding the church. That's how they lead. They shepherd the church. I have four areas of how uh, they lead here, of how the Bible teaches us how the church is to be led by the elders. Now remember, the elders are not just people sitting around making decisions. They're not vetoing or approving and saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, we're gonna give our stamp of approval on it. They are to be shepherding the flock. That's what the Bible teaches us. So the elders are not just these people doing this, uh, sitting around making decisions. They are to be actively involved in shepherding the church. And here's how they are to be leading. First of all, by shared leadership. Now, what do we mean by this? There is to be equality among the elders. 
Turn back over with me to uh, Acts chapter 20, 28. And I want to show you this about equality is what the Bible teaches about equality among the elders. He says here, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The first leadership body in the church was appointed directly by Jesus Christ himself. Remember when he called the 12 disciples to himself? And he says, all right, you guys, I'm going to be commissioning you. You're going to go out. You're going to teach. You're going to preach. And so he called these men to himself. Now, among those 12 men, were any of them any more important than the other? No. They were all called to do what God told them to do. Now, out of the 12 disciples, which three stand out to you the most? Any thoughts? I'll give you a hint. One of them, the rooster, the rooster crowed when he denied the Lord. Who was that? Peter, okay. Who else? John, who else? James, right? Now we see them actively throughout scripture. Now it doesn't mean that they were any more important. It just means that they may have had different functions or different roles, okay? But they were all equally important, okay? Even Thomas, who doubted the Lord, he was just as important as John was, okay? Because the Lord called him. So when we look at this about there's equality among the eldership, we talk about this, so there's, there's shared leadership, there's equality, and we see diversity in 1 Timothy 5.17. We'll look at that in just a moment. But we strive to practice first among equals. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, that means that within our eldership, uh, Jeff is not any more important than I am. Jerry's not any more important than I am, or Jerry's not any more important than Jeff is. Okay? We are first among equals. We're equal, but there are certain things that maybe God has gifted Jeff to do that I can't do. Or there may be certain things that God has gifted Jerry to do that I can't do. And so what do we do? We allow them to lead in that area. And so they are, we are equals among each other, but there are first within each other. There's first among equals. And even in the lives of the apostles, there were certain things that Peter was going to do. I mean, Peter, there he is. What was he doing? He's preaching the day of Pentecost. Was John there preaching? Peter was the main guy. He was up there and he was speaking that day. He was the first among them. But they were all equal on that same thing. So, we see this, that there is equality, all right? Now, let's look at this really important here about Acts chapter 20, 28. And I want to show you just a few of these things of how there's equality within the eldership. Acts 20, 28, there's equality. He says this, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care or to shepherd the church of God. They're supposed to care. So there's equality. All of them were called to shepherd the flock of God. There was equality there. 
It also teaches us about equality, that they have been placed in the flock by the Holy Spirit as overseers for the specific purpose to shepherd the church. All of them were called to do that, to shepherd. He didn't just say, okay, all of you guys that have been called as overseers, now one of you is really going to be the shepherd. He says, no, all of you are called to be shepherds, and you all were called to shepherd the flock. Then we see that all of them were charged by the Holy Spirit to shepherd the church. All of them were charged. He didn't just say, okay, a couple of you or one of you is going to be the one that I'm going to give the charge to. All of them were called to shepherd by the Holy Spirit. All of them shared equally the authority and responsibility for the oversight of the entire congregation. Pay careful attention to all the flock. He didn't just say, now one of you is in charge of making sure that the flock is going to be taken care of. He says, all of you are charged with this. So they shared equally. They were all charged equally to shepherd the flock. They all shared equally to care for the flock. All of them were responsible to be alert for all of this. Now, there are some other things that the elders share equally and that we don't find in Acts chapter 20, 28. And I'll just make mention of these here real quickly. Uh, Acts 15, 6, Acts 20, 28 through 31, Titus 1, 9 through 13, all were equally responsible to be alert to the constant dangers of false teaching to guard the flock. All of them were to be able to teach scripture and rebuke false teachers. That's 1 Timothy 3, 2, Titus 1, 9. All are to be publicly examined as the biblical qualifications before serving as an overseer. That's 1 Timothy 3, 10, uh, 1 Timothy 5, 22 through 25. All elders are responsible to visit and pray for the sick. That's James 5, 14. All elders are responsible for the designations of elder and overseer. That's Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, 1 Timothy 5.17. All are to be appreciated and esteemed very highly in love, honored, protected from slander, and obeyed. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.12-13, 1 Timothy 5.17-19, and Hebrews 13.17. But I want you to see the point here is that God has given the church elders and all the elders are responsible equally to shepherd the flock. All of them are required to take care of the flock that God has entrusted them to take care of. Now let's look at this part about diversity. So not only is there equality among the elders, but there's also diversity. 1 Timothy 5.17, let's turn over there real quickly. 1 So although that the elders share equally in the same office and, and the charge to shepherd, there is at the same time rich diversity and giftedness and life situations among the elders... And it helps a church. It, it strengthens a church. Now, it's obvious that not all elders within the church are equal in giftedness, effectiveness, influence, 
time availability, years of experience, verbal skills, leadership ability, or biblical knowledge, okay? But I want you to note the following. Look at 1 Timothy 5.17, and listen to what Timothy says here, uh, what Paul writes to Timothy here. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So on the side of diversity, we have this text here talking about that there is diversity among the elders. And we see that not all elders labor diligently in preaching and teaching. Now, most people assume just because I'm up here and I do all the speaking or I may do a majority of the teaching that he's the main guy. That's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches here that there's elders who are shepherding the flock, but there may be elders within the flock who labor diligently in teaching and preaching the exhortation of the word. And that's okay. I'm what you would call a vocational elder. I am one that I make my living by studying the word, giving the word, and I am paid for that. And that's perfectly biblical. That's what the scripture teaches about things like this. So all of us are called to shepherd. All the elders are called to shepherd the flock, but there may be diversity among that flock. All elders must be able to teach. All elders must be able to refute false teachers, must be spiritually alert to the dangers of false doctrine, but not all have the spiritual gift of teaching or evangelism or the same degree of proficiency at teaching or preaching the gospel. And so this implies that one or some elders will have a more prominent public role in the pulpit ministry of the church. Not all elders here, we find, rule well. This is a gift of leadership. Now, I want to tell you, there are some things that I am not really gifted in. Now, I may be able to put a plan out there, but you know what I really stink at? The details. I may say, yeah, we're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, well, who's going to do this? Who's going to do Well, I don't know. We're just going to do this. That's all I know. So see, when God brings an eldership together within a local church, and I want you to, this is just so fascinating how this works. God tempers the body of Christ together. And when we have, a, uh, have this local church known as Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship, God knows exactly what kind of leadership this church needs. He knows exactly what kind of eldership this church needs to care for the flock. And so what God does is he brings those people together who have the right giftedness, the right unique abilities in order to shepherd the flock completely. Now, if you look at me and you say, well, Mike, that's why we hired you. Because you're going to do everything for us. Well, I'm sorry. There are some things that you just don't want me doing. Because I will make a mess out of it. But you know what? That's why there might be gifts that Jeff may have. And where I may become a total blunder. 
Jeff can take up the leadership in that and he can say, you know what? I know God has gifted me in this and I know I can shepherd and help those people. And as we work together, we're able to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to us. And so not all of us have the same uniqueness, not all of us have the same abilities, but God brings us together so we can effectively shepherd the flock. And so here, not all elders rule well. This is a skill or giftedness. Not all of us may have the spiritual gift of leadership. Now, if you notice in the uh, qualifications of an elder, it doesn't say must have leadership qualities. It just says that he must manage his own household well. But he doesn't say, it doesn't say the, the, uh, one of the things of being an elder must be able to have dynamic speaking abilities. No. There are certain qualifications, but there are certain giftedness that God gives the eldership, those that are elders, in order to shepherd the flock. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 8, in speaking of the spiritual gifts within the church, it mentions of those who have the gift of leadership, and it says, if it is leadership, he must do so with diligence. So if within the eldership, God has given leadership abilities to one of those elders or to another or to multiple elders. They must lead in that area. See, there it is, first among equals. They must lead in that way. And so this implies that one or some elders will display among the elders more prominent leadership initiative and influence. And this is where we strive really to practice this first among equals in that. Now, I will tell you, Jeff is really good at, at finances. And so we have said, all right, Jeff, you are going to oversee the finances of this church. You wouldn't want me doing the finances. Trust me. Not that I'm terrible at finances, but I'm lazy. Jeff is very diligent at that. So you wouldn't want me doing that. So we got to allow the leadership to take their roles among the eldership. Not all elders receive double honor from the congregation. That's what he says. Let all the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. Now, double honor doesn't necessarily mean that you are giving these people extravagant gifts or that you are uh, giving them money or anything that. It just means that there is honor towards them because they are leading effectively. You recognize their leadership and you say, you know what? This person knows what they're doing and we're going to honor them. And so we, they, they honor in that way. So these people do this. And so God's word is very clear that there's those elders who take this. And he even says, furthermore, he says, uh, the elders who do this, who, who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So here I devote time throughout the week to prepare to give you, to feed you God's word. But that doesn't mean that I'm any more important than somebody else one of the other elders, because all of us are called to shepherd the flock. It just means that I have been placed in this role where I'm going to lead in that role, okay? Look at the second thing here. The church is to be elder-led, okay? 
there's the shared leadership. Here's the other uh, three things. I'm going to just touch briefly on these other other uh, other ones, and then I'm going to de devote the remainder of the time with the last one here. So it's shared leadership, but then also it's male leadership. Now this is clearly taught in Scripture that the church is to be led by male leadership. Now please listen and don't take this the wrong way, okay? Because I, I think in the minds of many people, excluding women from the church leadership is either sexist, discriminatory, and another example of male dominance. Anyone who loves people and loves the word of God and wants to follow the word of God, desires to uphold scripture, knows that being discriminatory towards women is sinful and it goes contrary to what the scriptures teach. But if we're gonna have biblical eldership, there are certain things that God has instructed us in, roles that he has designed, both for men and women. And when we talk about biblical eldership, the eldership is supposed to be male leadership. So God has placed gender roles for both men and women. And he does this because he designed male and female distinctions in order for the sexes to complement each other. And so those exercises, they, 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 the, the differences, they exercise different functions in society. So when God set up the church, he designed for the church to be led by male leadership. And this is the way that he designed it. God did not do this for discriminatory reasons. Rather, it is for the welfare of the family, the church, and the human race. Paul often uses the household analogy when speaking about the, about the church. He says, the, the household of faith. He talks about it as being a house. And so the, 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 the nature that that's made up of how God designed the specific roles, okay, just as he teaches male leadership in the family, that's found in Ephesians 5, through 24, Colossians 3, 18, Titus 2, 1, 4 through 5, he teaches male headship in the household of God, this male leadership. So God's word is very instructive that the husband, the male, is supposed to be leading the family, right? Would you all agree with that? Okay. Well, just in so much that the church is the household of God and it is supposed to be male-led. Okay. That's not anything towards discriminatory. It's just the way that God designed it, the functions of how it's supposed to work. Women are not to be elders or shepherds within the church. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14 alone should settle the question of women pastor elders. Paul prohibits women from doing two things in reference to men in the church. That's teaching and exercising authority over them. Now, this is not against women. Please listen to that. It's not against women, okay? It has everything to do with the way God has designed it. He has designed specific roles, and the role is supposed to be male leadership within the church. Now, I'm sure that there are many women who are exceptional speakers, great leadership qualities, but that does not make them fit to be an elder 
in the church because it goes contrary to the teaching of the word of God. And so in all male eldership speaks of obedience to God's plan for the sexes in which the man uniquely reflects God's image and glory in headship and the woman uniquely reflects man's glory by her submission to his God-given spiritual headship. And that's the way the church is supposed to function. There needs to be male leadership. Here's the third thing about being elder-led that needs to be servant leadership. Here's, when we talk about servant leadership, okay, we're talking about the fact that there are men who are acting as servant leaders. Elders are to be servant leaders, not dictators or rulers. They are to gently and humbly lead the flock, not being a self-serving tyrant. And I have worked for some self-serving tyrants. I have seen that. God instructs the elders to lead them and they are to be servant leaders. Remember the, uh, the description that Jesus gave towards us when he talked about, told his disciples, he spent the time with them there in the upper room. And just before he ate the Passover, what did he do with his disciples? He washed their feet. Okay? He was showing them servant leadership. And he's saying, look, just as I have done to you, you are supposed to be doing to others. And so we are supposed to be leading with a servant type of leadership. That doesn't mean we demand our own way. That doesn't mean that we try to force our own way. We're not a bull in a china shop, okay? We lead servantly. And we try to humbly lead in that way. So that means that the elders must be patient. We persuade, we listen, we handle disagreement, we forgive, we lead, we care, and be willing to do the dirty jobs even to those whom we may even disagree with. Because we are called to shepherd the flock. How many of you guys ever seen that show, Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe, right? Okay, yeah. Elders are called to do the dirty work. Okay, we're called to shepherd. And sometimes the sheep aren't really nice. They bite, they kick, they go wandering off. You know, we're called to be shepherds. We're called to shepherd the flock. And so that's what God has called us, and we're supposed to do it with servant leadership. Here's the last one qualified leadership. The elder-led church is to have qualified leadership. There needs to be qualified men who can effectively lead the church. These qualifications are not business qualifications, but biblical qualifications. They're not personality qualifications, okay? So if you're looking at that list, okay, of the elder qualifications, you see on there, well, I don't see in here anywhere where it says that they gotta be nice to people, okay? Um, you may have an elder who might be a little cold or a little standoffish, but that doesn't mean that he can't lead as an elder, okay? These are biblical qualifications that God says, these are the qualifications that an elder must meet. Now, for a couple of weeks now, we've, been, we've given out that list for you to see how an elder 
should meet up or should, how an elder should have these standards of these qualifications, okay? Now, also, it doesn't mean that, well, you know, this guy here, he has like seven of these, but he doesn't have any of these. Well, then he's not fit to be an elder. He must have those biblical qualifications. Now, it doesn't mean that he's perfect, okay? Because an elder should be striving to be living those things out. He may, he may struggle with some of those, but he must have those biblical qualifications, right? And so that's the standard that the elders should be holding each other to as well. And so likewise, the church should be holding those uh, standards to that elder as well. I mean, would you really want an elder who is not biblically qualified? Sometimes I think a church gets into this thing of saying, well, we got to have these elders. We got to have people who can lead. Well, who's really good with people? Yeah, let's pick him. But he might have terrible, terrible qualifications. So the, the idea is not just let's get somebody in here just so we can have elders. The idea is biblically qualified men. It's better to have no elders at all than elders who do not have biblical qualifications, okay? So it's qualified leadership. Now, there are three areas in which these qualifications can be grouped into. Here's the first one. A qualified elder must have certain moral and spiritual characteristics. Now, if you notice in the qualifications that are listed in your bulletin, the first qualification that is listed in scripture is to be above reproach. This has to do with character, and there's a lot of qualifications that follow that. How they live their life, the way that they, how they, the conduct, the, the manner of life in which they live, and those are all listed in there. But there's moral and spiritual characteristics for an elder. It's their qualifications, and a qualified elder must have those qualifications. Then a qualified elder must have certain abilities, okay? Certain abilities, here they are. He must manage his own household well and be able to teach and defend the faith. If you have an elder who is wishy-washy, who's, eh, well, well, he's not fit, okay? You want to have elders who can Biblically defend the faith. Why? Because fierce wolves are coming in to destroy the flock. And you want to have men who can biblically defend the faith and say, that's wrong. We're not going that direction. That's wrong. So a qualified elder must have these, being able to manage his own household well, teach and defend the faith. Last one, a qualified elder must have a spirit-given motivation for the task. When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 about the qualifications of eldership, he said, if anyone desires the office of a bishop, an overseer, he desires a noble task. Eldership is a God-given desire a desire to shepherd and lead God's flock. This is a desire to love and care for God's people. 
Elders who serve out of guilt or unwanted obligation are incapable of genuine care for people. You really don't want an elder who really doesn't want to be an elder. Just kind of like, well, I'll just kind of do it till you find somebody else better qualified for the job. No, (laughs) we want to have people who are qualified, who have a desire to care for God's flock, okay? Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.